Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy Chuck and tight. you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Richard, let's start with the the latest hire for Arkansas. What did you think of Coach Pittman's final addition to the staff? Uh, just a little bit that I've been able to uh, gather uh, about uh, about him. I talked to uh, talked to his head coach uh, that he played for in high school, and and uh, he, he was talking about how back then he could see that he was going to be different. He, he's going to be a, a leader. And a guy that was going to do something in life, and uh, you know, usually you can pick those guys out pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, you know, even in, in high school or in college, and and obviously that uh, you know he's uh, going up the ladder, and a young coach who uh, can uh, relate to uh, the kids, and not too far removed from playing, and uh, you know, I think uh, you know. Not much of a history as far as recruiting, but uh, I don't think that uh, they would. Uh, hire him if they didn't think that uh, that he could recruit and uh, do well in that area. And then I think that's uh, obviously, uh, I think you know, with Coach Pittman and when he makes a hire, that that's, uh, plays a big role. I know everyone has a different opinion on this, but based on who they've collected in the portal thus far and who's committed to Arkansas, who would you say is their biggest and best get so far? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, uh, ooh, man. Uh, you know, man, to, just to pick one, that'd be kind of tough, but I, I, I'll just go with a few. I mean, I, I think uh, Joshua Braun, uh, the offensive lineman from Florida, I think he's a good pickup. Uh, John Morgan from uh, Pittsburgh, the defensive end, uh, edge rusher. And uh, obviously, uh, Jeff Coat. Trajan Jeffcoat, I mean, uh, what he did at the Missouri, especially as a sophomore, was all SEC, uh, was big. Uh, I think overall it's a a, a good good, uh, class, and I think it's, you know, probably just kind of underrated a little bit because it's it's, uh, 10 guys versus, uh, I don't know, 16, 17 uh, compared to some of the uh, larger classes. So, uh, but uh, I think as far as quality it's uh it's it's up there richard they had a house full of visitors last weekend um big time to, to kind of get to know danny knows get to know half of the staff that's new at arkansas what, what's the feedback you've been getting as you've talked to coaches kids and parents well you know a lot of people's eyes and ears were on uh, walker white the uh, four-star quarterback from little rock christian that that went about as good as it could have gone uh he went up there Friday and uh, had dinner with uh, Coach Pittman and uh, Coach uh, Enos, and uh, that went really well. And then uh, then he was able to spend a lot of time with uh, Enos as far as just talking ball and, and looking at film. And, and I think uh, uh, 
I think he left there feeling really good about Arkansas. He, he visited uh, Baylor afterwards. He's going to go into, go into Clemson ap- after uh, this Saturday. So I think, uh, you know, uh, as far as Walker White, it couldn't have gone any better. But uh, And then they had Jamarian uh, Parker, a four-star 2025 uh, running back who uh, visited. A guy that uh, visited about a year ago about the, uh, in January. So uh, his relationship with uh, Jimmy Smith is very, very, very uh, strong and uh, definitely a top target at the running back position for the 25 class. But uh, there, there was uh, there was an impressive uh, list of kids uh, that visited, and uh, it, I think uh, everything that I heard and talking to the kids is, is very positive. And then, then you had two uh, in-state guys get offers as far as at the receiver position. Courtney uh, Crutchfield from Pine Bluff and C.J. Brown from uh, Bentonville, both of them uh, uh, have uh, have a few offers uh, prior to Arkansas extending an offer. And I think uh, those two guys uh, kind of, I think, wanted to be Razorbacks. And I think uh, the opportunity to, to do that, uh, I think it looks good with both of those guys. You know, Dan Enos is a few years removed from the SEC footprint of recruiting Alabama, and then he went to Miami and then to Maryland. What's important for him to to brand himself as an OC here? Is it philosophy? Is it quarterback development? What What does he need to be known for in this first year as he's trying to, to really build confidence with, with coaches and recruits and parents? I think it's a total package. I mean, uh, and he is a total package. You look at his resume as far as an OC, what he's been able to accomplish. Uh, very attractive for uh, skill guys and quarterbacks, and uh, he's he's put several guys in the league uh, for, at the quarterback position. Uh, that right there gets the attention of uh, quarterbacks. I mean, uh, Walker White mentioned that uh, when when I talked to him. So uh, I think uh, I think the more and more pe- uh, kids and parents learn about him, because like you said, he, he's kind of somewhat removed from uh, the SEC being uh, in Miami and then uh, going to uh, Maryland. But uh, I think the more and more people uh, are educated about his uh, resume and and the type of person he is, I think uh, they're going to be impressed. Richard Davenport with us here on the Morning Rush. Richard, on the subject of Dan Enos, back in 2015, while they had a really good passing offense, they were really balanced as well. My question is, the strength of this team is running. KJ, Rocket, AJ, Rashad, I mean, you've got some dudes that can run the football. How is he going to tailor his philosophy and offense based on what they have currently on this roster? Because I think there's a lot more strengths running than there is passing right now. Well, that's what it appears right now, and you're probably right. But at the same time, I mean, uh, they got the, the three uh, highly touted uh, transfers that came in. We're, we're going to find out probably in the spring. He's, he's probably going to make uh, some, you know, see a little bit, have a better ed, educated idea of what he's got uh, personnel-wise. Now, obviously, running back, yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. They're going to be running the, uh, running, running the ball uh, quite a bit, but at the same time, he's always been pretty pretty balanced. And then when you throw in six four, six five, and six seven receivers, uh, that all all three of them uh, had a lot of offers and, uh, coming out of the transfer portal. And then you know, hey, there's some young guys that uh, have have the ability to to uh, to to develop too. So uh, I, I think 
I think you're right about uh, the running game, but at the same time, I think uh, the passing game could definitely uh, develop into something that uh, he, he just licks his chops at. And I, especially if, hey, if, if I'm KJ and I'm throwing to 6'4, 6'5, and 6'7, I'm liking my chances. You mentioned highly touted. I know Shamar Easter. A lot of people are excited to see him sign with Arkansas. Any? I know he put out the locked in. Is there any update on him heading into next Wednesday? I haven't heard anything that uh, said you know he's not uh, still locked in. So I expect him to still sign with Arkansas on the first and uh, and uh, give Arkansas two uh, two very impressive freshmen coming in uh, for next year. Uh, Bayfall gets uh, selected as McDonald's All-American. Uh, I don't think Arkansas's had a run like this in quite a time. We, we know they have. What, what's it mean for this program? How much attention does it continue to get nationally when you keep having your recruits, the people that have signed with you, um, get selected for, I guess, what is the highest honor you can get as a high school basketball player? Yeah, you're right. And, 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 and the kids that I talk to consistently talk about Arkansas recruiting at a high level. And, uh, you know, great players want to play with other great players. Right. But uh, they talk about the, the, the you know, Anthony Black, uh, Nick Smith, and Jordan Walsh, and, and the rest of the uh, uh, 22 class and the previous classes uh, that uh, were nationally ranked. And then you get uh, Bay Fall, uh, along with Layden uh, Blocker, who, who wasn't selected but could have very well been selected as the McDonald's All-American. You know, now it's 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 kind of a trend. You know, four in the last two years, uh, that's that's uh, that's North Carolina Duke stuff there, and Arkansas is doing it for the first time in, in quite some time, and and I, the kids really rave about that and how uh, this staff uh, recruits only the best, and they feel like hey, they feel honored that they're, they're being recruited by Arkansas because what. what uh, uh, Muss and, and the staff have done uh, recruiting-wise in the past. Yeah, I, I just think it's interesting when you look at the possibilities next year. I think we'd all say Nick Smith and Anthony Black and Jordan Walsh are for sure moving on to the NBA draft. Trevin Brazil, I don't know what to say. I mean, who, who knows how that's going to go? The Mitchell Twins would probably be back. You look at Ricky Council, uh, you know, has he done enough to move on? You, you just think about some of the pieces that could come back and you add some of that with it. I mean, I know people are... Uh, disappointed that this season hasn't to this point turned out what you thought it would be but even next year when you think about some of the pieces that may come back and adding what they what they've signed and what they're recruiting it it could be another year with a lot of a lot of anticipation no there's no doubt i mean fall fall i've compared him to uh to daniel gafford but a guy that has a little bit of a better, better offensive game i think his ability defensively is uh is top tier and that that's going to give Arkansas the ability to let him take care of the paint down low and uh, be more aggressive uh, going uh, going on the break. But uh, I, I, he's, a, he's a big big addition, very, very athletic, and uh, and his uh, offensive game is uh, definitely uh, progressing. But uh, And it was something I just noticed uh, the other day when, the, uh, when he was named uh, McDonald's All-American. He shoots 82% from the free throw line. I mean, we we always talk about, especially with Muss and, and and his teams, how important free throws are, hitting the free throws, and and how that's made a difference in the last few years in, in winning uh, games. Well, you got a big that you, you're not afraid to uh, let him go to the free throw line. Uh, that's that's and and he doesn't have to come out and, and game 
type situations where you you, you got to be careful about him getting fouled. Well, eighty two percent is pretty pretty tough for a big big man. Richard, last thing here: Anthony Black's going up against his dad's former team. I'd forgotten that his father was pretty good for the Baylor Bears back in the day. How much do you think that plays in to how he plays this Saturday? Oh, you know he's going to be motivated. Uh, that's uh, obviously. Uh, where his dad played and, and played at a very high level. And uh, that's that's something that uh, I think, uh, you know, he and his mom have, have probably talked about. And uh, it's something that uh, he's going to have a lot of pride going down there and, and saying, yeah, I'm his son, and, but I'm, all, I'm, I'm my own guy. And I play for Arkansas, and I, I want to beat you guys. Well, we'll leave it there. Hopefully he comes in with that effort. I know it's going to be uh, kind of an emotional game for him and his father. Richard, thank you so much, man. We'll talk next Thursday. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Bet BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Back in college, Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts had a fantastic game between the Iowa State Cyclones and the Oklahoma Sooners. We've also seen some great games between Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, which some are saying are involving into this year's, or excuse me, this generation's Brady-Manning rivalry. Now, Tommy, you're not exactly the big quarterback matchup, Rob, but there's other aspects to each game, but what's the best QB, if you had to hone in on it, what's the best QB rivalry that you've ever watched? Well, I think, I think Brady Manning is hard to to top for people my age. I mean, uh, I mean, would you really consider Montana and Aikman one? Probably not. The Cowboys, it, more it, like young Aikman. Probably more young Aikman. I mean, Montana really wasn't. I mean, you go back to the '80s, but the Cowboys through the '80s waned so much. So I would have to say, for me, probably Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Some of the ones I had down were uh, Terry Bradshaw, but it's either Ooh. Kenny Stabler. And Roger Staubach, uh, Jim Kelly versus Dan Marino. We mentioned the Aikman Young. Uh, Joe Montana versus Elway might be the better one if you're looking for that. Mm. And then Johnny Unitas and Joe Namath are some of the I ones that... You're going way back on. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, again, I think Brady and Manning, it's really difficult to beat that. The Colts and Patriots matched up a lot of times in the AFC, sometimes even in the AFC Championship. So, it's really difficult to say that's on and even with the Broncos when he was on the Broncos they played there too so it's really hard for me to say that there's anything above that but the thing is and you and I come from I think different points on this people are saying that Mahomes has all the pressure this weekend because he's 0-3 against Burrow I almost think this is like a free shot to beat him because he's playing on one leg or one leg basically one ankle I mean the guy's playing with a high ankle sprain to, 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 I don't that even an know excuse or is that a reason it's a reason I mean, you're playing with it, and and I know Chad Henney's not going to be the guy to get you to the Super Bowl, but you almost if if you're going to be that ineffective, where you basically said, "Hey, if he loses, it doesn't matter," then you almost wonder, is it fair to even put him out there? And I know that in the NFL, that 
there's a lot more to it than just the coach makes the call. But but why even be out there if you can't win the game, right? I think that's fair. But, but on the other hand, it, can you win it without him? No, you, you can't. Not, Haney's not going to win you the AFC championship. Right. He's just not. The deal with Mahomes is if he wants to play, he's going to play. And he wants to play. Most other guys would probably not play in this game. I mean, how many guys have you heard suit up with high ankle sprains in any sport? For that matter, this kid's tough as nails, and he's going to do everything to win. And I think this is the conference title. I mean, this yeah. is a trip to the Super Bowl. This isn't Week Seven. You know, this isn't Week Eleven. This, this, this is different. And it's a legacy. You think about. I mean, you think about some great players. I think about two, and this is basketball. Y'all might have to help me with football on this. Guys that have gutted through injuries. I think about Willis Reed for the New York Knicks back in the day. Him going through like a it was either dislocated shoulder, elbow, and he played through it. They beat Wilt in the Lakers. I think that was in '70 in Game Seven. Then Isaiah Thomas in '88, Game Six has that that ankle, and he ended up playing Game Seven against Lakers. They ended up losing. Those are the two that stand out to me. There's probably a football injury that I'm missing that a guy just, he was just going to play. He just gutted out and played through it. I don't know if a quarterback one stands out, but this it's pretty gutsy for him to do this. I just don't know how, how much can you gut it out. You know, how much can you deaden that up? How much, what can the, the doctors and the training staffs really do, you know, to make that comfortable or, or at least where it's not, you know, inhibitive of his motion and his mobility throughout the game? I don't know. I mean, uh, he gets 24-hour round-the-clock rehab and care that uh, you know we get home and get told to put frozen peas on it you yeah. know so there's a little bit little bit of difference in what he gets as far as medical attention and what we would get yeah here's Andy Reid on Mahomes health at this moment yeah he feels better than he did the last couple of weeks so that move looked like it worked to, to this point and then again we'll just see how he does every day here. he seems to be in a good place we'll see how he does now if you remember he comes in and Mahomes comes out of the second half first playoff game he's ever thrown for less than 200 yards he's going to have to do a lot more than that to beat Joe Burrow on Sunday how much pressure and uh, JT and Hot Springs just texted in. It's the fifth straight AFC championship game. How much pressure is there just on Kansas City in general? Forget Mahomes. Well, they've won one Super Bowl out of this. How much pressure is there on just Andy Reid and this franchise tonight kind of start leaning towards Buffalo Bills territory? Well, the Bills <laughs> they, the Bills, they, they, Bills got there and never won yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, first year they lost the Pats. I think second year they won. Third year they lost, I think, to the Bucks, And then they've, they lost to the Bengals last year. I don't remember what happened in year four, if I remember that timeline right. I guess you could come from that vantage point, but I just, you're asking a lot I mean, for a kid to play on. This is Andy Reid's legacy, too, that's, uh, that mm-hmm. needs to be cemented. I think he's a Hall of Famer, obviously, with what he's done across the course of his career, but another Super Bowl ring. And I think he may be a first ballot guy. Who is the Bills coach on those Jim Kelly teams? Marv there? Levy. Okay. So do you want to be in Marv Levy territory? Or do you want to be in a different echelon of Walsh, of Belichick, and some of the other guys that have won two, Johnson, some of the other guys? And like you said, that's a that's a coaching legacy yeah. thing. Big legacy moment for, uh, for Andy Reid. All right, that's your Red River Dodge Morning Rush Daily Question. Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at RedRiverDodge.com. Let's chat with Tom Murphy now here on the Morning Rush. Tom, I know that Tommy made some chili during the snow. Do you have a specific food that you like to make when it's cold outside and it's snowing? Well, I mean, there's obviously no ice cream, which my kids used to love, but we didn't do that this time. Um, you know what we do? We put a pork butt 
and cut off a lot of the fat and put a pork butt in the ah. instant pot. And boy, that'll that'll feed you for several days. That's instant good stuff pot. too. Mm. Instant I, pots are are the bomb. Yeah, we got one of those. I never thought about putting a pork butt in there though. Oh, look it up, man. Right. Really good stuff. That sounds good. What, what have you uh, learned about Arkansas's newest defensive assistant? Well, yeah, Deron Wilson. Um, he was playing football at Southern Miss only a decade ago, so he's still pretty young in the industry. Obviously, uh, his cousin, and, and I, one of the bios I saw online called Frank his uncle, but apparently they're cousins. Um, you know, who's the head coach at UTSA before Jeff Trailer and uh, went over to uh, McNeese State. Um, he's a New Orleans guy, so you can you can tell Sam Pittman's recruiting philosophy, man, is to, you know, Texas, Georgia, Louis, South Louisiana, which Arkansas has kind of had a longstanding con- connection to South Louisiana, but I think they had been uh, missing a uh, coach with ties to down there for a little while. Uh, but now they got Wilson in, um, and I, you know, I, he'll be probably the, you know, the lowest pay, paid assistant on defense because of his age and the industry and everything. But, um, you know, hopefully they, they get a dynamic recruiter and, um, they can retain some of their personnel on the, on the back end because that certainly has been an issue with the, the current team. So how do you evaluate a guy that was an analyst? whether or not he's going to be able to recruit. I guess you can lean on what he did at McNeese State, check up on some of that. But, you know, we know if you can't recruit, you don't get to stay at Arkansas. That's kind of Sam Pittman's uh, unspoken philosophy. I mean, he's, he's, he's shown that through his hiring and firing practices. How do you evaluate a guy that wasn't recruiting while he was at Florida? How do you, how do you know what he can do? Well, um, yeah, you have to go back to his time at UTSA when he was fresh into the industry and then McNeese. And, of course, he was defensive coordinator at McNeese, so you can get an idea of, mm-hmm. you know, the schemes he favored and all that. But in this in this system, you know, I think Travis Williams and Marcus Woodson are going to be the, the brain trust, so to speak, with input from Sam Pittman. And um, Deron's um, – I think it helps that he's been a defensive coordinator before. So, um, obviously, he overlapped with Deke Adams, so it makes you think that, that Deke had input in uh, vetting – Deron's character and what have you to fill the position. So um, I'm sure he's got a track record in recruiting from, you know, it might not be a gargantuan, but he knows the, he went to O. Perry Walker in New Orleans, which is a powerhouse football school down there. And uh, I'm sure he's got a lot of inroads in the New Orleans recruiting. And, you know, you, you can go through the list of uh, South Louisiana standouts at Arkansas, and there's been a good number of them. I mean, Fouché and Brooks didn't stick around, but they were good while they were here, or pretty good. And, you know, Scooter Harris, and and there's a longer list than that. Tom Murphy with us here, Arkansas Democrat, is at Whole Hog Sports. Uh, Dan Enos had a house full of of, uh, recruits in, and particularly uh, Walker White uh, came in and and visited this weekend. What do you you think that... Dan Enos needs to do to brand himself at, at Arkansas in this first year. We, you know, he, he's not necessarily known as an RPO guy, even though he's made the shift to that. Does he need to become the guy that's known as a developer? Does he need to become the guy that is known as an RPO guy? What do you think is important in the next eight or 10 months for Dan Enos as, uh, as he establishes himself? Well, I, I think basically to show that KJ Jefferson doesn't have any kind of drop off that, you know, that he, he's, works 
flawlessly into Dan Enos' schemes. And, I mean, what a, what a nice guy to uh, – really, what a nice stable of players to inherit here at Arkansas. And it's just about getting the verbiage correct. And, you know, he already has the reputation of being a great quarterback developer. Um, and you look at who he worked with at Bama. Both of the uh, – he worked with uh, Tua at Bama and then Talia at Maryland. Um, he, he was – coach i believe when he had the mac jones and jalen hurts combo with two of there so he comes to arkansas already having been known as a guy who can develop quarterbacks so it's really it's just a matter of getting on the same page with kj jefferson and having a productive scheme and arkansas 2015 with enos here a fantastic run team that was alex collins's big year uh, 1500 plus yards a third Highest rush total in Arkansas history, veteran quarterback in Brandon Allen. So there are similarities between that team and what Dan Enos inherits. They got to plug in some guys on the defensive, on the offensive line where if it's third and one or fourth and one, you know, you feel very confident you're going to make that. And I think with last year's team, the third and shorts and the fourth and shorts weren't always guaranteed. It, it became a little bit of a bugaboo for them. So um, I don't know. I, I think Dan Enos's reputation is already kind of established, and it's now it's just a matter of how does he plug into KJ and, and the rest of these quarterbacks. You lose Ricky Stromberg, you lose Luke Jones, kind of have to retool the offensive line a little bit. Tom, do you have an expectation who's going to start up front this year? Well, I mean, when we see what Emarion Harris did in the bowl game, that's that's a good start. And and then you got Andrew Chambly, you've got. Uh, some other guys who they've recruited in recent years, Devin Manuel, who's apparently has been on the brink. Um, I've said it with you guys numerous times. I think those kind of guys need to get more playing time um, in games. And it, it, does it come at, at the expense of you know losing a series on offense? I don't know, but you've got to find out. And I just feel like this coaching staff got into the mode of – there was hardly a series that you could, quote, take off last year because of the difficulty of the schedule. Maybe in some of the early games this coming year, um, you can you can play some of your backups. But I think it's important. Sam Pittman's talked about that himself, that when you're a backup, you always question, you know, am I good enough? I, I, I can run with these guys. I need to go prove myself. And I think that applies to the O-line. I think it applies in the secondary, you know, at linebacker. There's several positions where I think it's very important that some of your backup guys get, you know, the feel for what it's like. And, you know, let's just say an Isaiah Satania, if his ankle had been right, to, to get him in, you know, target him in some games, things like that. Tom, on the subject of the schedule, last three years you've had the toughest schedule in college football. This year you got three cupcakes and BYU at home as your non-con, so it's a lot easier. How much do you think that helps Pittman in year four? Well, I mean – of course, they wouldn't call them cupcakes, but they're games that Arkansas should win. And quite honestly, they should have beaten Liberty and um, swept their non-conference schedule last year. So they've been, they've been pretty good. I mean, the Missouri State game didn't play out like maybe we thought, but um, I, th- I think it's important to, to be able to you know, know that if you can win three conference games and sweep your non-conference, you got seven wins right there. So... Um, it's big, and I think winning tight games has got to be the key focus of this offseason. What do we do to get better in one-score games?
I was looking at uh, something that I don't know if you you guys know Jacob Davis works over at Arkansas Five. He was reading a tweet he had put out last night, and there's seven different quarterback records KJ could break that he's listed here. Most of them are Matt Jones, Brandon Allen, or Tyler Wilson's records. But you look at the and he could basically reset the record book at Arkansas next year uh, is what KJ could do in total offense, touchdowns, quarterback rushing yards, quarterback rushing touchdowns, passing yards. I mean, all of these numbers, Tom, are within um, are within reach, reasonable reach. And I guess I think the question becomes, where do you put KJ historically in this program if he owns? five, six, seven career records in his time at Arkansas. Well, that's a great point, and, and maybe that's something K.J.'s thought about a little bit, his legacy. Um, I think Arkansas fans are, are very you know happy that he decided to come back. Um, I did see that tweet. One of them I, thought, I think is unreachable. I think it's quarterback rushing yards because he'd have to have a thousand something. And I don't think the anticipation is, oh, we're going to run yeah. K.J. almost twice as much as we did the last two years. Yeah, you need eleven oh seven there to break Matt Jones' yeah. record of 26-35. Yeah, so that one, I'm going to call that one out of reach. But, you know, total offense and all those kind of things, uh, passing touchdowns, you know, it can be done. And I think having a balanced offense is will, will help him achieve some of those. And they certainly were balanced under Kendall Brown. You can't argue that. And I don't mean in terms of number of plays called, but the, the yardage of it was – unbelievably close in the 230s. And by the way, Arkansas has really never come close to having an offense that averaged 230 on both sides of the ball, and they did that last year. It's just a matter of maximizing Mm -hmm. when you get in the red zone. So, yeah, KJ, um, I think he needs to take another step forward in in his leadership uh, capability, um, how quickly he makes his reads and and things like that. And um, I don't know. I I feel like I'm a pretty tough critic, but I give him a little bit of a pass in the Liberty game because we, we know he had to take uh, a shot for the pain, and you could just see he wasn't himself. And when he wasn't, Liberty put forth a gr- great scheme and, and turned in you know the upset of the year for, as far as the Razorbacks were concerned. Yeah. Hey, before you go, let's talk a little bit of basketball. Arkansas wins over LSU at home. Now they got a tough challenge ahead of them on, with a trip to Waco and to take on Baylor just – can, can Arkansas win this game? What, what's your expectation uh, with a tough road assignment in this SEC Big 12 challenge? Yeah, that is very tough. Uh, among the toughest in the conference, uh, I think they're going to have to shoot uh, as good as they did in the last couple games or even better. And I think their defense has got to turn into offense a little more. I mean, we started to see that. Um, I think it was really cool that, that Ricky Council comes back in and is much more of a facilitator. I mean, he threw some great lob passes in that game. And I think hopefully that opens up the door to uh, maybe people playing off Ricky just a little bit more because as much as I like what he did like in the Greensboro game when they had to have it down the stretch, you know, he he just did some one-on-one stuff that worked out. Um, I think maybe he had become a little too reliant on that. So uh, Devo Davis' shooting obviously has been a huge uptick the last couple of games. Uh, but I do think some of that is a product of playing Ole Miss and LSU, two of the bottom-rung teams in the conference. This is going to be a much tougher assignment, but I think it does help them gain some confidence. And, and honestly, they should be on a three-game winning streak because I thought that Missouri game was theirs. All right. Tom, have a, a great weekend. Have fun watching the football and the basketball, and we'll catch up with you on Tuesday of next week. Yeah, all right. Go Chiefs.
All right, Tom Murphy, Arkansas Democrat. Is that whether it's Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, here on the Morning Rush? Introducing Your Choice Tuesday at Buffalo Wild Wings. Buy one, get one 50% off on our traditional wings on Tuesdays. Then the best thing about Thursday at Buffalo Wild Wings is buy one, get one free on our boneless wings. Both offers are now available for dining and carryout. Some exclusions apply. Visit your Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Fort Smith, and in Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Roar! Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. So we were trying to ballpark the line a little bit earlier between the Razorbacks and the Bears. It'll come out tomorrow on the Bet Saracen app. College basketball lines usually typically come out a day before. Tommy, you're saying about eight or nine. I kind of guessing. I'm no Danny Sheridan, but I had to guess. I mean, I don't think anyone's everybody knows Baylor's gonna be favored. It's just by how much. Mm-hmm. Eight or nine is a pretty healthy line in college basketball. Would you bet if you had thousand bucks lying around? Would you bet on the Hogs or bet on the Bears if it's eight or nine? Probably Baylor. Probably Baylor at eight. Now eight and a half is a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. Now the question I have is how much are we leaning into these wins relative to the caliber of teams they actually have beaten? Ole Miss I need and to LSU see, well, suck. Like yeah, they're not. You, you good. got A and M coming up next week, and that's the barometer. A okay. and M went and kicked some booty last night at Auburn, and uh, didn't expect that. Snapped their what the longest home court winning streak in the active in the country. Broken last night by A and M. So you're going to find out A against Baylor, but but B get back into conference play. A and M. What's the bigger deal? Beating Baylor or beating A and M? Honestly, it's probably being A&M. Mm-hmm. I think even with it being at home, though, the fact well, that you, you get the Aggies. You've got to have the conference win. I mean, that's the thing. I think we both agree that yeah. you need to get to at least nine SEC wins to really give the committee not, not a built-in excuse to leave you out. It's a home game. You can't lose another home game. So the bigger win, if you get one of the two, and I, you can sit here all day and argue with me, and, and, and I can't totally disagree that a quad one road win at Baylor would mean more metrically. But I also come back to if it means winning at Baylor but being 8-10 and 10 in the league, I think I'd take 9-9 nine and nine in the league and a loss at Baylor because the loss at Baylor from a metric standpoint is not going to kill you. 8-10 and 10 in the league may might be enough to, to do you in. I don't know. I don't, I mean, we'll have to see how the rest of the league plays out. You're not going to get a top four seed in the SEC unless something crazy happens. I'm talking about for Nashville in the SEC tournaments, so and now you're just trying to not play Wednesday, Thursday, maybe win a game Thursday, win again Friday. I don't know if you can make the SEC championship. A lot of basketball between now and then, but be very surprising to see this team get a top four seed in the league. Way too early to start projecting this, but how how deep is this league in the tournament? It doesn't feel like eight or nine teams deep, so you, know, you need to be in the top probably six or seven to feel like you're in the hunt. So I don't know that you go eight deep in the SEC this year. 
that rankings would suggest you don't. Yeah, be the opposite of that. So A and M, the A and M game next week is Tuesday at six. Mm-hmm. I think you'll have a pretty healthy crowd, depending on what happens this weekend in Waco, Texas. All right, keeping it going, we got we're getting a chance to talk with Eric Musselman, Makai Mitchell later on today. I don't know if we're going to get an update on his brother, Mikel, who uh, last time we saw him was in a boot, did not play in this last game. Any guesses if Mikel plays on Saturday? Well, you expected him not to. I saw the email. The head coach isn't talking in the press conference. It's Gus Arginal and uh, Oh, did Okay, then I'm, what, I missed that. Check, check that, but it, you know, it didn't say that Muss was speaking. It said Gus Arginal on there, so I don't think an assistant's going to release any kind of big news. <laughs> no. So I don't expect much out of it. In fact, why don't you watch and tell me what happens? Yeah, Mitchell and Gus. I guess yeah. I just saw the player and assumed Muss was talking with no. him. I guess uh, we're getting the uh, assistant today. See if Gus Arginal gives us anything good. I'm guessing not. No, there are not a lot. Uh, other than that, I mean, you play Baylor Saturday at three. Is that game on ESPN or ESPN two? I can't remember. You got the. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't worry myself where where it's at. I'll find it when it's time to watch. So can't remember if it's on the name, but there's really not just a lot going on for race. It's on ESPN. It's on the big, I thought it was on the Big 12 Network. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, wait. There isn't one. It's on ESPN, so that's... You're on the big four-letter network this week. It's just not a lot of Arkansas news right now. Women play yeah. Alabama. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, you, you, you know, you're right. I mean, that, but those are the headlines, and those are enough. Arkansas and Baylor? That's a big enough headline mm-hmm. for me. Yep. That's going to do it for your hog updates. Brought to you by Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888 Sparky. Have you watched any of tennis? I mean, do you watch the Australian Open? Is that still going oh, on right now? No. I, yes, it is because okay. I've seen it on the crawl. But no, I'm not a. Uh, I will watch Wimbledon, occasionally catch some U.S. Open in the summer, but. Wimbledon to me is probably like Augusta is to the non-golf fan. I'm not a tennis guy, but I'll watch the Wimbledon finals okay. uh, because it's just unique and different. So, yeah, uh, Wimbledon's about it for me. This guy named Stefanos Tisopoulos is apparently the third-ranked tennis player in the world. Do you know who Margot Robbie is? I've heard the name. Okay, well, he shot his shot, I guess, after his win. I mean, Australia is such a great country. I like a lot of Aussie things, you know. One of my favorite exorcists comes from Australia, Margot Robbie. I wish I can. Margot Robbie, um, are you pitching right now? What, what's happening? Am I what? Pitching? Are you, like, you know, making an, an offer? What are we seeing here? It would be nice to see you over there one day. Okay, so you're, you're ex- officially extending an invitation to Margot Robbie. I just want to be crystal clear here. Absolutely. I think she'll come. And watching his <laughs> player's box or whatever. I, I don't know, but that uh, that's a bold move right there. And do it in front of all the audience or whatever. I mean, shoot your shot, I guess. And we'll see again. She's Australian. He's Australian. I'm trying to think of a movie. She's in Focus. She's in Wolf on Wall Street. I'm trying to think of the, the new Brad Pitt movie. Wolf on Wall Street. That's, uh, that's, that's a few years old. So. Mm-hmm. She's in that new, like I said, the new Brad Pitt movie. She's in the Once Upon a Time with Leonardo DiCaprio and Pitt, that okay. movie as well. Is that ringing a bell or no? Uh, Wolf on Wall Street. I- I've watched that 15 times okay. probably. That's, she's the actress. She's Leo's wife or Jordan okay. Belfort's wife in that movie. That's the. Uh, she's not attractive at all. No, 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 no. But good for him, I guess. Uh, I hope it pans out for him. Yeah. That was back in her. Uh, 
That was probably back in her 20s at that point. To be my guy. That movie's 15 more, more years old, maybe more, more older than is that. It, who was your crush growing up? And there, we, I got into this with Matt mm. and Matty T the other day on halftime. Was it Kelly Lynch and Roadhouse? Mine was Diane Lane. We're going like our audience older. Diane Lane, wow. Uh, Daisy Duke. Oh, and Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Who's the actress that played in that? I'd have to look that in the, I don't know. You know, I've, I'm just trying to rattle some off. Fair, f, if I could say her name, Farrah Fawcett. That's trying, a little bit older than me. But it, it, everyone maybe a little bit older than me had a Farrah Fawcett poster in their room. Probably had to get permission from mom and dad to do it. Yeah, Charlie's Angels, that's yeah. who. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even look yeah. at her text Charlie's line. That's Angels, what yeah. B says. Christy Brinkley would probably be a name from my age group that would come up a lot. See that? Is it the Pepsi commercial that was made famous? Well, probably uh, when she the the the, uh, the good-looking blonde that was in the Ferrari and uh, vacation. Oh yeah, Chevy Chevy Chase. The pool, cold, cold. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's an iconic scene for sure. Yeah, so uh, that would probably be another one. So now. Um, yeah, Daisy Duke was probably it, guys in their mid to, to late forties probably watched a lot of Dukes of Hazard. Okay, back in your uh, you know eight to fifteen range somewhere in there. We got Deborah Hara Blondie. Catherine Bach was her name. That's correct. Kathy Ireland is another name. I'm starting to get yeah. rattled off this. Some of these names I don't know. Some of them I I am familiar with. But yeah, Diane Lane for sure. That would be mine. Cherry and the Outsiders back in the day. All right, Clay Henry's going to join us coming up when we come back. Hour three of the Morning Rush Recruiting Thursday next. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Clay Debo Davis has been awesome for Arkansas the last few games. Think he's able to keep this up with the amount of minutes he's playing, having to guard the other team's best player. How are you feeling about him in kind of the middle stretch of conference play? Uh, two years ago, when we finished uh, that season, and then he seemed to be off a little bit last year. I'm not sure why, but it just seems like it. Uh, this is his team, and he's comfortable. And I, I don't think he wants to come out. He, I've never felt like he's tired. Um, and boy, he sure has changed his three-point shot, and it's been so much 
I mean, it's it's helped this team by leaps and bounds. You know, I mean, you can focus on his defense, and yeah, he's he's all of that. But a guy that can make you know three threes in a game is just super valuable, especially to this team. Man, you just think about this this season alone. I was talking with Ty at the beginning of the show about this. Here's a guy that you come back from Hawaii. And the team has to release a statement because he he steps away from the team for for a couple of days, then comes back. You go from that, which is a kind of on one end of the the scale or the extremes, to now you don't think you can probably win without him suiting up and taking the floor for you with the way he's playing right now. I I think it's been one heck of a story just this season, Clay. Yeah, you're right, Tommy, and I I think it's uh, everybody pulls for him because. He's got that extra kind of bounce in, in his step, and uh, it just seems like his decisions are so much better. I mean, there, there's not that loose pass, um, or at least not many of them, and, you know, there's not that oh-no play, there goes Devo. Um, and, and y'all know what I'm talking about. He he had one of those where it's like, what was that? No, 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 yeah, yes. Yeah, no, well, it wasn't a yes. No, it was a oh, no. Yeah. yeah, it was one of those that, who was he throwing it to? Why did he throw that? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't ever mind him shooting it because I think he, he is, he's got the ability to score. Um, you know, it's it's the it's some of the crazy passes, but it's in, but it seems like all of his decisions are good right now. And, you know, I think he, you always hear somebody say in a soccer match or a tennis match, he had to settle in. Well, I think he's had to settle into the season, and he's done that. I think he's had to find his role, too. You're talking about that because you didn't know what it was going to be outside of being a leader offensively and defensively. He's kind of had to adjust with the injury to Trevin Brazil and Nick Smith, and we'll see if there's another adjustment period when he comes back. The thing about Devo Clay is – so many Arkansas fans respond to his energy. It's not just them, but his teammates as well. You can tell it's been infectious these last two wins. That's why I said he's got a bounce to his step that everybody likes. So, uh, interesting time. I mean, I, none of these players, really none of these coaches, you know, go back to the Arkansas-Baylor days in the Southwest Conference. But, you know, this is a place that for, uh, for fans of a certain age, and Clay, you're in that age group, Waco's a very familiar place that they're traveling to, uh, I guess, tomorrow to play on Saturday. Yeah, Baylor wasn't always uh, a juggernaut, but every once in a while they'd have a player like a Vinnie Johnson to microwave that could light you up and would, would cause problems. This is, uh, this is a different Baylor team, and it's uh, – um, not quite as good as the last two, but they're still pretty good, and it seems like they're kind of gathering steam. Um, you know, it'll be a hard place to win. You you've got to to run them off the three point line, and you know, make them uh, you know beat you off the dribble. And they probably can, but but that's you you got to do that. You can't try to match them. You know, threes for threes. At least I don't think that's what Arkansas can do on the road. They don't have enough shooting to match Baylor this year. Well, what I wonder, and I asked this question an hour or so ago, is you put Devo either on Keontae George or whoever they end up. I want to know for Ricky, 
for Jordan, for Anthony, if they have the defense to stay with them. I'm not worried about who's Devo, who Devo is guarding. I'm worried about the other guys because Baylor's got four really talented guards that can get their shot at almost any time. Yeah, the, the, the key will be, you know, just how the game is, is called and do they – you know they keep their their guys on the floor because Arkansas doesn't have the depth to to you know to sub and, and maintain their defensive uh, pressure and they they've got to keep their best defensive guys out there and and then make some shots and that's that's always the key on the road every coach that I've ever known says when you go on the road you've got to make a few jump shots uh, and. You know, you're shooting on strange rims, and that's easier said than done. And, and everybody says, well, the, you know, every gym is the same. No, they're not. The rims are different, and it affects shooters. And you can ask Pat Bradley, when he went on the road in warm-ups, you know, he either had a good vibe or a bad vibe you know, with the way that the, the rims were. And some of them are tight, some of them are loose. And it's uh, you have to get used to them. And I've seen that. And the same thing, you see those shots in the NCAA tournament. The ball looks like it's going down, and then it just pops out. And that's a tight rim. Yeah, sometimes it's a game of bounces. But how much of that is in your head? I mean, you know as a as – Well, it's a, all in your head. I mean, I mean, you know as a golfer, you stand over an eight-foot putt and you think you're going to make it. Odds are you might make it. You think you're going to miss it. It's a guarantee you'll miss. I mean – Shooting has got to be very similar. If you think it's going in, if you can visualize it going in, probably got a much better chance of it actually going in. Yeah, but what I said, when you're in the shoot around and it spits out two or three of them, well, then mm-hmm. there you go. Negative thoughts. Joseph Pinion hasn't had any impact on the road this year whatsoever. Can he, Is this the first game that he could actually do something? He's been good at home at points. but has he played defense without fouling? Can, can he come in and stay on the floor because he can defensively keep up without fouling? I think that's the that's the answer to it. Because he's had those yeah, quick I, fouls. Yeah, but so part of it is, you know, young players, they don't do as well on the road. And then the other part of it is, is coaches usually have a short leash on young players on the road. Yeah. So that you, don't, you don't get to find out a lot of times, you know, like, okay, here he goes. Nope. We we can't afford we can't afford uh, to play, you know, five minutes to let him get his legs and mm-hmm. and feel his way through this arena and that's what that's what happens mm-hmm. and uh, very few uh, freshmen flourish on the road. It just it's just not you know it's it just takes a while and I think the schedule maker and that's probably Eric Musselman by and large probably. Should have gotten them another game or two of true road games in December and let these guys play on the road some so that they've they've experienced that and it's uh, you know that's not as easy as you think when you you say we're going to give up a full house at at uh, Bud Walton Arena and that's that's money and you got to pay the bills for all the other sports not just basketball. So I I just wish they had a couple of games in December where some of these young guys would would have been exposed to the to the road a little bit bit more. And I, I think whether it's Pinion, whether it's Darian Ford, whether it's Barry Dunning, I mean there's there's a group of those guys, and Pinion is the one that gets the most attention. A he's in state, and B he's a he's a good outside shooter. But I think when you when you get a quick hook, you know there's not as much tape. You can't go back and study the tape you're sitting on the on the bench. No one's going to break that down. But the more minutes you get, the longer you're out there, home or road. There's, there's just more tape for the coaches to 
critique and analyze for you to watch and analyze and get better. So I think you know you learn from your mistakes, but you got to be out there to make the mistakes to learn from them. And I think that's a little bit of it with Pinion is as he's gained more minutes, even defensively, they can go back and break that down a little more, Clay, because there's actual tape to watch. Yeah, that's true, and and I think that. You know, it's not just him. I think, uh, you know, Jordan Walsh, every time he plays on the road, he gets a little better. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't very good at, at LSU, and that hurt him. You know, a lot of misses. Actually, they all had a lot of misses. And that's the game that haunts you because you know you're better than LSU. Uh, I feel good about this game Saturday because they, they've had a couple of good performances. They, they, they should have a little more confidence. Uh, you know, you play this game ten times in Waco, and Baylor probably wins, you know, seven times. But I think Arkansas can win there. This is not a great Baylor team. It they're they're just they're just good. They're not great. Um, so I, I like the, the way this sets up and you know, I think people are giving Arkansas a chance here. Uh, they're not you know, they're the underdog and they should be. Uh, what would a win do? How big a catapult, how big a, a, of a launching pad would that be if you could go win this game, a quad one, road win, you know, top 15 type environment? What, what, what does it do for the balance of your season? Well, I think it probably means one or two spots in the, in the, in the seedings in the NCAA tournament. I mean, I think it's, it's that big. And when you win what a Chuck game said. like that, Chuck thought this game was a seed or two difference for uh, for Arkansas. Yeah, I thought that's what I just said. Yeah. I think it's one or two seeds different, yeah. and and it it's it's huge. It's not for not for Baylor. It's a home game. Yeah. You know they're supposed to win. If they lose, it's a, it's a major thing, yeah. and and that's what you're playing for. Arkansas doesn't have anything to lose, but they got a huge amount. Of positive with the selection committee with the victory. Your rank come Monday. That A and M game at yeah. six o'clock is going to be wild. Even if you lose, it's still probably going to be a decent crowd. But you amp that up even more. Mm. Talking about just like quick, but the long term, as Clay and Chuck pointed out, it's yeah, it, it's that it's big. Best uh, we've been kicking this around, Clay, or trying to come up with the answer. What does what is the bare minimum on Arkansas's SEC record to get in the tournament? Can you get in at eight and ten with Games like Creighton on your schedule and, um, you know, some of the non-conference games they have played, the trip to Hawaii, or do you got to be at least 500 in SEC play for the committee to consider you? Yeah, it's really hard to say, to answer that question, because there's so many other variables. It's not just you. It's where, it, you know, what what does the rest of the field look like? What do those records look like? Is this a, a year where, you know, the SEC is going to get X number of teams, or do they they suddenly look somewhere else for you know to fill out their field? It seems like the SEC has gotten a decent number. Um, Texas A&M got left out last year, and and that was their you know their overall record. It, mm-hmm. it was substandard. I'd I'd like to get to nine and nine, and I think you're in. I don't know if they punched their ticket last night, but I think they got their ticket in their hand. They're in the line. Uh, after that they're win at Auburn last year. Yeah, they're right. in line for the tournament last night with a ticket in hand. They just can't drop it or fumble it between them and the and, and the gate, between them and the metal detector to get in. I, I think A&M's proven to this point. I mean, the, their trend line's probably not just getting in, but probably, what, a, a four seed, five seed, somewhere in there right now yeah. would be my guess. Their, their non-conference wasn't very good, but they did play a lot of games on the road. 
and that won't hurt them so much. And but they, every time they win, and every time they get a road win, you know, it, it just kind of bumps them up a little more. Uh, and they come into your house on Tuesday, so hopefully you have a good showing on that. I don't know what's going to happen, but it'll be a tough game. Yeah. They're, they're they they're rolling with a lot of confidence. They got a lot of weapons. They play good defense, and I think it will be a nasty, dirty defensive game because they're they're going to both teams are going to get down in 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 scrap. Speaking of defense, I I don't know what's going on. Maybe y'all do this Patrick Reed thing. I know that. People are having to defend themselves against him with he's well, the suing, a, he's suing a bunch of people. And you know, I saw that thing with McElroy, all the golf guys of the show. You got to give me some update on what's going on there. I just saw a video and I was like, I have no idea what this is. Yeah, I don't want to say too much because I might have a subpoena on my front doorstep, <laughs> you know, by tomorrow. Uh, but he is a he. He's not well liked. Uh, he, you know, he's he's been accused of cheating. And that goes back a long ways, you know, all the way to his to his uh, you know college teammates at Georgia. And he he left that program. I think he went to to Augusta College and uh, played really well there. He's he's a good player, but he just seems to step in the mess everywhere. I mean, I don't care what it is; it's going to turn out bad for him. And he likes it, I think. Um. There's a very small core around him, his wife and his wife's brother, I think is his caddy, and that's it. His parents don't like him. He doesn't like his parents, doesn't want him around. Uh, I don't think he has really any friends on the tour. Certainly, Rory McIlroy is not his friend. Didn't he throw a tee at him yesterday or something? Well, so what What he did, and it was a taunt, so his tees say L-I-V, and, you know, of course, Rory has been outspoken and has mm-hmm. kind of led the charge, you know. Oh, no the, question. The When someone needs to say something like that's wrong or that's not the way to do it, he's the one that's going to step up and say it. And, you know, and, of course, then he's backed it up. He's, you know, he's been the number one player of the world during all that, which you got to give him some credit, you know, being right mm-hmm. in the, the heart of the storm and be able to play. And I think it's, you know, it's actually – Giving him motivation to be a good player, and Patrick Reed's caddy and Rory's caddies, caddies are friends. You know that the caddies get along. That's just like they have to. They they live together. They're you know they trade information. They they depend on each other uh, inside the ropes. And the caddies were talking, and Rory was digging something out of his bag. He knew Patrick was there, and just decided. You know, I'm I'm not going to turn around. And when he didn't turn around, Patrick flicked one of those little LIV tours right in front of his face on the ground <laughs> to like, hey, here. Hey, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. And that just kind of was like a double down. I'm not I'm not turning around. And, you know, so Patrick chose to make a big deal out of it. No, Nobody else would have even said anything if Patrick hadn't walked away and said, well, he wouldn't talk to me. And then Rory's like. Well, why would I? <laughs> so it's like that. That's pretty obvious. Why would I? Uh, and if he would have done it in a different manner, it probably would have worked out. But no, those guys, uh, uh, the wound got a little deeper and a little more raw. Yeah. Let's just say, Ty, he will never be a captain's pick for the Ryder Cup. 
Okay. If he's going to be on the Ryder Cup team, it's because he's on well, the President's Cup. He's had. He's, he's going to have to earn the points. So yeah, he's not eligible because he's not a member of the PGA Tour. Yeah. You have to be a member of the PGA Tour to be on the Ryder Cup. He cannot participate until they decide that. LIV members can be a member, but he left. You, you, you can't be on the Ryder Cup unless you're playing on the PGA Tour. That's their team. So he he would he would not be eligible to play for America. Yeah. So, I mean, he's just not well. Like, I, there's going to be uh, a live tournament event in Tulsa. Uh, it's not at Southern Hills. It's at... Uh, which one was that? Anyway, it Cedar Ridge. Cedar Ridge, maybe. It's one of. But it's not it's Southern Hills. Course. But um, I, I just wonder how well, well attended it will be in this part of the country. How many people will seek out and go and watch a live event that's you know within a couple hours driving time, depending on where you're at. Well, I won't go. Um, it's not. It's not something that interests me. I. I have not once bothered to figure out how to find them streaming. You know, on on TV, and I don't watch a lot of golf. I watch a little bit this time of year, and then then the majors. So for an LIV player to be in on my TV, he's going to have to be in a major, and they they are they're going to be there, and I'll I'll watch them. Um, but it's uh, they've got great players, but their their concept, you know, shotgun start three rounds. It's it's to like me. It's not tournament. a test of golf. <laughs> it's, it's, like it, it's like your club it's a, tournament. It's a jamboree. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So that'll be uh, interesting. A little golf news here for you uh, on the morning rush. It's going to be a challenge for them to get over the top. He's built a good program, but can he build a great program? And, and I don't know how I can go all in on saying he can at this point until he does. And I know that you know maybe a confusing sentence, but I felt like he was way ahead of the game, and now I feel like he's trying to catch up, which is a tough spot for him. What are the expectations in year four of this coach and this football team? I think it's more than six in the regular season. What do you think, Clay? Well, I just think you when when you're looking to to gain steam on you know Alabama and LSU, those are the two teams you know that that I, that I look at that that might be uh, sitting pretty right now. That you just have to shore up. Uh, that defensive secondary and then offensive tackle. Those are the two positions. And if they can do that, uh, I think they look pretty good everywhere else. I, I mean, uh, but you have to be able to, uh, you know, stop the big plays in the secondary, tackle, and then those tackles, you know, they, they've got to be able to move the pile in short yardage situations. Um, you know, it's the, the play to make third and one can't be the quarterback sneak every time. It, it's it's there's got to be something else because that that's where they're putting all their defensive players. You know, you, you have to have some strength in offensive tackle. Uh, every team that I've seen that was really, you know, stand out and won a lot of games, they had tackles. So help me on the secondary. You lost Jalen Catalan. He goes to Texas. Simeon Blair goes to Memphis. You, uh, there's another guy that transferred out. Brenny graduated, right? Yeah, Brenny graduated. McLaughlin's back. 
McLaughlin, you're in in McAdoo. Your two corners, yeah. the safeties is where, and they just didn't have a nickel either. I, can, I count nickel. They were playing uh, two safeties and a nickel, two corners, and then sometimes they were pulling another player and playing three safeties and a nickel, and that's where they were. They lacked players. You know, Hudson Clark, I guess, is going to be a safety now, and I think he he's he's adequate. He does not. Uh, miss assignments and he makes tackles, uh, and I think he'll get better as he plays there. But you got to have to add some, and you, and you got to have some depth. I mean, it's those guys are 190 pounds and they're tackling 230 pound, 220 pound backs. Their shoulders just break up. I mean, it's not just Catalan. They all just they wear down. 220 so pound guys got to moving have some at, depth there. 220 pound guys moving at full speed. That's right, in open in open field open with field. no help. Yeah. Hudson's a lot better in passing situations than running. I partic- one in particular when he got mauled in the Mississippi State game at the line of scrimmage. He tried to plug a hole against Dylan Johnson. Dylan Johnson thought he was a JV player and just kind of ran him over. It's just part of like you, you don't and have that happens to all safeties. Yeah, it's not just him. Yeah, they're, they're just not, they're just not as big. And I don't care. You know, Jalen Catalan got smacked. You know, he's there. Everybody has that happen, and that's just the nature of that position. But you, you've got to make tackles in open space. Uh, don't get in a position to having those guys plug plug gaps too much. That's not that's not their role. Um, but chasing guys down in open field and making sure that you're the deepest guy. I mean, that's a tough that's a tough job. They can't. They can't. Be safety worse. is the word. That best describes the position. You have to make your defense safe, and they haven't in the last couple of years. Can't so, be worse so, than last year, right? Yeah. Weren't they 120th in passing defense? So if I said Sam Pittman's got to prove he can get back to eight or nine wins without all the super seniors, is that a fair statement? I, see, I don't count the wins so much. I, I look at. How are they competitive? And I know there's a lot of people that were down on them last year, but they had they lost some close games. I thought they were competitive, and I I felt like in some ways they were better last year than the, than the season before. And you know, there's a couple of games didn't go their way at the end. Um, you know, they I thought they played better against a better LSU team last year than they did the year before. They just didn't make the big play on offense to win the game. If you'd had KJ, uh, you'd probably win. So. Yeah, and defensively, that was probably their best game. Now, I don't know if LSU didn't play well or they caught LSU at the right time, which that happens sometimes when you play them after Alabama. It was cold, too. So. Yeah, and, and I thought they played Texas A&M probably when they were at their peak and – had their the most weapons and should have won that game. Those are two. If they flip around the other way, and they certainly could have, then you would have said that was a good season. So I was looking at the recent coaching salaries in the SEC. Where do you think Sam Pittman ranks relative to his counterparts in this league? Well, I've seen the list, so I know. But uh... where do you think he ranks, Clay? Yeah, the the list that you sent to me, I think, has his salary wrong. I think he's at six million now, but that doesn't really change, you know, his position much. Uh, he got a raise last year for uh, for winning seven games. I think that was a raise, so it goes into effect in the next contract. And I like the way his contract is set up, but he's he's at 
you know, 12 or 13, depending on how you look at that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think he also has a retention bonus no built question. in there as well that, that adds some, some significant money to that. But your point is he's at, at or near the bottom and uh, nowhere near the top two-thirds of the league or three-fourths of the league right now. Is there anyone above him you're surprised that's making more money? Or is that kind of like you're saying kind of where you think? I mean, you know, Saban, Smart, Kelly, Fisher, all have either been have won a national title or have been in the playoff. Kelly's the one that hadn't won the national title there. Josh Heupel gets $9 million. Is that a little too much for for, for a season with, with a tremendous quarterback? Time will tell, but... Um, you know, there's some guys that, that aren't a lot more proven than Sam Pittman that are making well, some more, but not significantly more. The guy that's overpaid is, is Kiffin. Why do you say that? Well, well Sam Sam Pittman is, is beating two out of three, right? Yeah, but season-wise. I mean, I look at their results last year, and it's – and most of it is because of what they did in the non-conference against the, the probably the weakest non-conference in the SEC. That was horrible, yeah. So they didn't. They were not a good team last year, and and he got a lot of mileage. and got a new contract based on that early winning streak, and then they laid an egg in November, right? I mean, they weren't very good, so I, I think he's overpaid. When they played the better teams, they didn't win very many. They didn't do for it. But they I will, I they mean, had six six laydowns to begin You're a Lane year. Kiffin guy, so I understand it. But why, I, why do you I, think I'm a Lane Kiffin guy? Because of what you just said. You bucked up when I said he's overpaid. <laughs> well, he won ten games a year ago, Clay, and he well, lost Matt Crowd, a bunch of other guys. I mean, yeah, you just look, alright, you're, you're a Lane Kiffin guy, I get it. Well, saying he's overpaid, I mean, Jim, you could say Jimbo Fisher He's overpaid, overpaid, overpaid I, too. I wouldn't yeah. bat an eye, but I mean, I, I, I based one, on what I saw on the field. Based off once, I mean, they won 10 games last year for the first time. I based it history. off of seeing them three times. The only the matchups against Arkansas. So does that mean I base it? Well, that, what else can I base it on? Well, those okay. are the only three that I to, saw with my own eyes. To turn that around on you, that means Eli Drinkwitz deserves to make more than Sam Pittman no, because he's beat no, him twice. I saw his. I mean, I saw his. He's beat him two out of three too. years, though. That's a, that's your argument right there. It's a flawed no. argument. He's beat him two out of three well, years. I looked for at his schedule and what he did in the games they won last year and how they played against Arkansas and how they played against Mississippi State, and I don't think he's worth that. Eight coaches in this league make north of $7 million. Beamer and Freeze make six and a half. Drinkwitz at six. Sam Pittman at, we got it listed here at five and a quarter, but it may be closer to six with with everything. So, I, I mean, it is six. Th- yeah. There's not a lot of difference when you really look at, you know, six or six and a half. Um yeah, with where they're at. So I mean, here's the thing: you want to get into the seven or eight million, nine million. Cl- I think you got to win ten ball games. That ought to be like minimum cost of entry to, to get in that upper echelon, top half, top third. You better have a ten win season somewhere on your resume. Oh, the good thing is you're talking about non conference. Arkansas's non conference schedule is not any good this year. You got three cupcakes and BYU at home, so. You have at least a shot. Well, balances rather. last year's. Yeah, well, no, not, not just last year's. Last three years, you have had the toughest schedule in college football. Last three years, Pittman walks in the job. You got to play ten SEC games. Then two years ago, you had a bad one. Last year, you had the toughest one. So it's about time. And people say, well, the home games aren't as good. That's fair and valid. But at least you've got a better chance to get 
double-digit wins. I don't know how much it is, but Gain, I, I, what curious about this schedule is that Gainesville trip. Florida was bad this year. I know they got that Utah win. I, I want to see what Napier does in year two. They were not a good football team this year outside that lone Utah win. I want to see what they can do. They're rebuilding their quarterback. That's the major part down there. Yeah. yeah, and they lost Rashada. They lost like three or four other guys to the portal. One was kicked off the team. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do at QB Richardson's going to the draft. That that could be a, a game. That didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it didn't. And he, he's like third or fourth projected, which didn't make a lick of sense to me either. That's a you've never won in the swamp, have you? I don't think you have there? since you joined the league, right? Well, unless you no, want to count, count the Mark Curls game. Here. So. Unless you want to count the Mark Curls game. So maybe you can win this year. It'd be nice. Uh, Danny, you talking about salaries. Danny White's now going to make the, it looks like the highest paid salary, athletic director-wise, in the league. And he's in the top eight overall, according to Ross Dellinger. Is that an overjump, just like this Hypo contract? And they're going to pay him $2.2 million based off. And it was an 11-win season. First, I think, since 98, since Team Martin, they've had 11 wins. Is that still an overjump? Well, remember, and, and Tennessee's not alone in this, but they got a hundred and four or five thousand seats in that stadium, and they're they're probably nearly all sold, I would guess, Clay. And when you have that kind of revenue on tickets compared to a lot of other schools in your league, a few hundred extra thousand for your AD is not that big a deal. That's correct. And uh, and as your football team and basketball team goes, so goes the AD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, if if football is winning at Tennessee, basketball is really you know that's kind of an afterthought there. They they like their basketball, but when you've got one hundred and ten thousand seats and they're all full, and you can raise your priority money, Tennessee was was uh, they were. You know they were they were leaking oil two three years ago, so uh, I think that that where they're at football wise means the AD is sitting pretty. Well, their baseball program was number one. No, they didn't win the national title or no, or, but they're rolling. But, but they were number one in the country. Basketball speaks for itself with what what Rick Barnes is doing, and football had the best year they've had in twenty years. So I mean, we all want to champion Hunter Yurichek when things are rolling well here. Why shouldn't? Danny White get the same treatment. So I got no problem with him making 2.2. And, you know, I talk about the size of, of uh, Neyland Stadium. Their basketball facility is 20, 21,000. Yeah. It's a larger facility in this league, too. So they make a lot of money on tickets compared to counterparts in, in total. It's only, uh, I think it's only second to Rupp. I think it's the top of right. 24,000, isn't it? Uh, and they built it for the women's team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think they... they it was at twenty four thousand. They may have taken some seats out to put in some clubs, but at one point it was, yeah. you know, it was. It, it's uh, and they fill it. That's all you got to say. Point is, their ticket revenue is very good at Tennessee. It is good. Speaking of the Vols, uh, they win last night against Georgia, seventy to forty one. Florida gets a win against home or against South Carolina at home. Then the surprise game that you were referring to, A and M goes on the road and beats Auburn. Then Alabama. Has just a three-point winning at home against Mississippi State. They, they were trailing double yeah. digits in this mm-hmm. game and had to uh, play fight and claw their way back in order to, to get a win against Mississippi State. Yeah, it's uh, every night you go on the road in the SEC. It can be you. You can find yourself in a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, you know the. I, I think that uh, that Arkansas. Based on their schedule, is is 
I think we'll have a good second half. Yeah. And Bama's got two or three losses in them. I mean, the idea of them going 18-0, the odds are very long on that. So they're going to they're gonna drop a game or two, and it could be Tennessee, but maybe it's Arkansas. Team. This is not, to me, a team that's going to go undefeated in conference play. Auburn, Knoxville. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, 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 they get, if Arkansas got to win on a road to Tuscaloosa, that'd be awesome. It'd be, it'd be I, I at the right it. time of the year, too. Yeah. So. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.